Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader, and I'll be the host uh, for this morning's meeting. Today is Sunday, August 15th, 2021. The share ID numbers for Friday, August 13th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Big Book Study, that number is 17,553. That's 17553. And for the 10 a.m. Big Book Study, 17,554. That's 17554. This morning, A Vision for You presents the problem, the solution, and the program of recovery. In the first uh, three steps, we need uh, to develop the proper attitude necessary to move forward with the action steps of recovery. And in step one, we're gonna learn about the problem of course, powerlessness over food and the unmanageability of our lives. In step two, we're going to learn about the solution to that problem, which, of course, is access to a power greater than ourselves, you know, a power of our own understanding. And step three is merely an affirmative declaration. In other words, it's something that we say out loud that's really an indication of our willingness to trust in this process, uh, you know, and, and to move on with the work and which is going to enable us to have a, a spiritual awakening, of course, that's going to revolutionize our, li- our lives. If we're going to be brought into alignment with the higher power of our own understanding, we certainly need to understand the problem, the solution to that problem, and then how is that solution going to get manifested in our lives? In other words, how, how does that solution, uh, how is it going to get brought about? That's steps one, two, and three. Without a proper foundation, the building crumbles. With the proper foundation um, as the means to, you know, sort of refurbish and maintain that building, uh, the the building is going to be able to weather any storm. And uh, joining us this morning to share her story is Jordan L. from Colorado. Jordan is a dedicated member of Overeaters Anonymous and is committed to carrying the message of recovery to those who still suffer in this disease. So please help me to welcome Jordan L. to the line. Jordan? Awesome. Uh, Can you hear me okay, Larry? I can, Jordan. Okay, awesome. My name is Jordan L. I am a recovered compulsive overeater um, in Gunnison, Colorado, a tiny little town um, in southwest rural Colorado. I'm very grateful to be um, abstinent and on a meeting this morning. Um, It kind of hit me (laughs) Um, just like what that means for a compulsive overeater like me. it kind of hit me um, during the intro there. So thank you for that introduction, Larry. Um, <clears throat> so the problem, the problem, the solution, and the program of recovery. Um, I, the reason, or I guess, I don't know, the way that, um, uh, that I think of this title, the reason I picked it, um, is because when I when I came into not when I came into Overeaters Anonymous, but um, it was actually when I started listening to a vision for you regularly in 2017. Um, <clears throat> I heard uh, uh, a presentation 
of the steps in the big book, um, unlike any other presentation I had heard before this. Um, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think that's a testament to a vision for you. <laughs> um, a vision for you is, is uh, just another group of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, what I think that's a testament to is, uh, it, number one, uh, the food and the fact that it had beaten me into a state of reasonableness. Um, and number two, a higher power. Um, I, I think that uh, uh, timing is a, a factor in there because uh, the vision for you had been going for years prior to 2017. And I had even listened to it before then, you know? Um, <clears throat> so it's, uh, this is very much, uh, this is very much about the work of um, the God of, of uh, my understanding in our lives um, and how that's going down. So um, <clears throat> uh, I had never heard the steps presented in that way as um, steps one, two, and three, the, the problem, the solution, and the program. Um, that actually, uh, it, it comes from Joe and Charlie. Um, someone from this group had suggested that I listen to Joe and Charlie, some of their recordings, um, to, to understand, uh, to come to an understanding of, of uh, the true nature of my problem and what it was that I was doing here in these rooms. Um, <clears throat> And uh, I thought I thought it was uh, pretty cool as I as I was getting into it. I started to understand um, and realize for the first time, even after reading the big book for years and years, that uh, this was kind of the way this was kind of the way the first 100 were doing it. They they didn't have the steps as they were writing down the first few chapters of the big book. Like the steps were written down for the first time ever and how it works. And, and that didn't come until, um, you know, how it works is chapter five. Um, so there were four other chapters that were written prior to that. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, um, and that's how they were written with an understanding not of steps one, two, and three, but an understanding of the problem, the solution, and the program. Um, and for whatever reason, that, that uh, presentation um, helped me. It's, it, it really helped all of this like sink in for me um, and make that journey from my head to my heart to my gut, <laughs> if you will. Um, this is something that is like, this is, this is uh, experiential knowledge. Um, this is not stuff that I read out of a book and understand as a result of reading it out of a book. Um, this is stuff that uh, I experienced and then um, <clears throat> uh, changed my life when I read it out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous because uh, that but uh, what's written in the big book was my experience. Um, I I knew I I had the I had that sort of knowledge of it, experiential knowledge. Um. <clears throat> so uh, so the way that Joe and Charlie present this uh, first is the problem, um, and there are uh, 
uh, sort of two, um, there's like a step zero, if you will, right? And that's the disease. Um, and uh, and uh, the disease uh, of compulsive overeating has two aspects from my experience. Um, <clears throat> Uh, so first, real quick, I just want to like qualify a little bit and um, and talk about uh, how it is that I came to get here, right? Um, so when I first came to LA in 2012, I did not want to be here. Um, I did not want to be a compulsive overeater. I was completely and totally demoralized by the fact that I couldn't seem to control my weight and that it was actually getting worse. Um, <clears throat> I had been told lots of things throughout my life about how it was that I needed to get that under control. Um, and I had developed lots and lots of willpower um, around food and eating and um, uh, uh, exercise and, and all sorts of things. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, the fact that I had all this willpower <laughs> behind it, and I couldn't seem to control it still, um, had completely demoralized me. Um, I, I don't think I could have verbalized that to you at that point in time, but looking back now, like I know that uh, I didn't, I, I felt inhuman, you know, like I, it was like, uh, that separated me from the rest of the human race. Um, it's pretty awful and terrible. It's a very lonely, lonely feeling. Um, <clears throat> so I would, I, I was in, um, I was of the mindset when I got here that I would have given up anything, literally anything in this life to uh, be a normal body size except my alcoholic foods. <laughs> that was like the one thing that I was not going to give up, um, that I couldn't give up, that actually like come to find out, um, uh, again, I couldn't have verbalized this to you at, at that point in time, but come to find out um, those alcoholic foods, they were all I had it then. Like they were... At that point in time, they were saving my life. Um, they were uh, the self-medication that I was treating. I was treating this disease with, you know. Um, <clears throat> so I'm thinking uh, at, at this point in time, like I'm thinking that my problem is weight, um, <clears throat> and so I can't really hear um, the stuff that's being discussed out of the big book because the big book doesn't talk about weight, you know. Um, so I have to come to uh, an understanding of the true nature of my problem um, because it's not weight. In my experience, weight is not my problem. Um, uh, so, <laughs> um, so, uh, um, so when I got here and I started listening um, to to what it was that was being discussed, um, I. What I did identify with um, was willpower. Um, I, I could identify with the understanding um, that I had given all the willpower I had to fighting this disease and that it hadn't gotten me anywhere up until this point. Um, <clears throat> and I had been given it my all, you know. Um, 
So all my life, people have told me the same sort of things. Um, and this is uh, this is uh, uh, the big book refers directly to these people, right? The people that are like, you don't need that. Why don't you eat less? Are you really going to take an extra serving? You're so fat already. How can you eat more? Um, uh, the big book talks about those people. I was extremely ashamed of the fact that I couldn't um, I couldn't stop eating certain things after I'd begun. Um, and so the big book talks about these people, but uh, we see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from our, from our own. Um, that's from page 20 of the big book. So uh, uh, we have people that are experiencing a different reaction and therefore they say things like, the, like that, you know, like, where's your willpower? Just control it. It's not that big a deal. Um, you know, you're, you're so overweight already, you probably shouldn't be eating dessert. Um, or a second dessert, or a third dessert, or a fourth, or a fifth, um, or whatever it is, right? Um, and I couldn't understand. I, I I couldn't understand what they were talking about. Um, like I really didn't get it. Uh, and I'm the type of person I get a lot of pride. I'm not gonna like admit to you that I don't get it. <laughs> um, I'm not going to admit to you that I don't get it. I'm going to try to figure it out. Like, I am going to get it figured out, whatever it is that you're talking about. Um, and so that's what I had been doing all these years. Um, I had been hearing these things and trying to understand uh, uh, how it was that I could apply willpower to this disease. And so come to find out, these people are not exhibiting willpower. Um, they don't need willpower. They're having an entirely different reaction to my alcoholic foods. So uh, they're not experiencing the reaction where they want more and more and more. Therefore, they don't need willpower to stop. They just stop. Um, and then me, who's, uh, who's uh, experiencing a different reaction, I sit there and, you know, like I ask, how, how do you do that? How do you stop? And they claim that it's willpower. Um, uh, because they're, they don't, they don't understand what it is that I'm talking about. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, so the doctor's opinion actually calls us as, um, addicts or compulsive overeaters a separate entity. Um, we're, we're, we're different. Um, and so it was, it was very important that I understood that that I, I couldn't play by the same rules that everyone else played by um, when it came to food, that I'm a separate entity and that I, I need some different rules to play by. Um, <clears throat> this is completely and totally different. Um, I, talk to a lot of, uh, uh, I talk to a lot of newcomers um, <clears throat> and I talk to them about like this kind of stuff. Like I get, I try to get really deep into um, an understanding of the true nature of my problem. Um, and so I, like, I had a phone call. This was a, this was maybe a year ago, something like that. And, um, this lady says to me, you know, like, um, I'm just trying to eat healthy. And, um, that's a, that's a great intention. Like it really is. That's an awesome intention, right? To eat healthy. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. However, we are a separate entity. Um, eating healthy is like something that normal people do. 
um, we aren't like normal people. Um, the quote-unquote healthy foods can include my alcoholic foods. Um, so it's really important that I uh, get a, an understanding of the true nature of my problem, um, that I have a different reaction than these normal people, um, and then I understand exactly which foods it is, food ingredients that cause this reaction within me. Um, I don't get a list of alcoholic foods from my sponsor. Um, my sponsor can help me identify these foods for myself, for sure. Um, my sponsor did help me identify these foods. But um, these are my alcoholic foods, and it's very important that I'm looking at my food history um, and the reaction that I have. Because uh, I gotta under like I have to understand this stuff. I can't just be given a food plan um, and adopt it in the way that um, with the sort of ownership that I need over my abstinence. Like my abstinence is not uh, a punishment. Um, the first, the first when I came in in 2012, I got abstinent to a certain extent. Um, and then again in 2014, I, I got entirely abstinent from all of my alcoholic foods. But in both of those cases, it was something that was being imposed on me um, as a as what I perceived as a punishment. Um, and it didn't last. And what's different this time around is that this isn't this wasn't imposed on me. It's not a punishment by any means. Um, it's actually freedom. Um, and it's mine. Like, this is my abstinence. I own it completely and totally. Um, <clears throat> I have absolutely, uh, um, uh, I don't fight it because it's mine, you know. Um, <clears throat> uh, what I find about my food plan now is that it is empowering. It's not a death sentence. Um, which were that was the way that I felt about it when I when I when I first came in, you know. Um, so that's sort of that attitude shift that Larry's talking about. Um, so, so if my problem isn't willpower, right? Like I understand that um, this isn't about me gaining more willpower. Um, that I actually have an allergy to or an abnormal reaction to my alcoholic foods. Um, <clears throat> that that those alcoholic foods and any other um, in a normal person, um, they have like a, a quote unquote craving, and then they eat some of whatever, and then that craving is satisfied. That's not the way that it works for me with my alcoholic foods. I I uh, um, I start out with the idea that I'm just going to have a cookie or a brownie or whatever it is. Um, and the next thing you know, like I've eaten an entire bag, an entire box. I've eaten far more than I intended to eat. Um, and I will continue eating past the point of feeling physically full. Um, I'll just continue eating. Uh, that's an abnormal reaction to food. A normal reaction to food is you eat, you're satisfied, and you move on with your life. Um, uh, I don't have that reaction to these alcoholic foods. Um, I eat a little bit, and I, I am not satisfied. I actually want to just eat more and more and more, and the more I eat, the more I want to eat. Um, <clears throat> that's abnormal. Um, 
and it's uh, something that I experience at like a physiological level. Um, I can't, I can't like will myself into stopping once I have started. Um, <clears throat> so for me to understand that uh, I'm, uh, I, I gained an understanding of this abnormal reaction by actually looking at, at normal people and their reaction to food. Um, that's how it was that I could understand um, that this wasn't uh, this this wasn't about willpower. This was about something that was occurring in my body at a physiological level. Um, and also, as the doctor's opinion states, it accounts for a lot of things that um, I couldn't account for before this. You know, um, <clears throat> it accounts for the fact that I could be in so much um, emotional pain um, for a big chunk of my life. I, I, uh, I weighed 200 pounds by the time I was 14 years old. Um, so this affected me from a pretty young age. Um, and, and it hurt, <laughs> like it hurt to, to be a person on the daily, you know? Um, <clears throat> and, uh, uh, it accounts for how it is that I could be in all that emotional pain and um, and not be able to do anything about this because it's it's not about willpower. Um, <clears throat> so um, when I when I like understood understood all of this at like a a, a real like gut level, like I said. Um, October 1st, 2017 is my abstinent date. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and I started listening to, um, that's when I started listening to A Vision for You regularly. Um, I'm a, I, I'm a, the 8 a.m. Eastern time meeting is, uh, is my meeting. I'm in Colorado, so, um, I go to a later, the later meeting, but I'm, Still to this day, on that pretty much every single weekday, um, and uh, and I have a service position. Um, I'm going to advocate for service completely and totally. It's really important. It's uh, it saves it saves me over and over again. Um, the fact that uh, um, people ask me to show up here, uh, and I am um, willing to do that, even if. Uh, even if I don't feel like it or I feel as though I'm not worthy or however it is I'm feeling. Um, the way I'm feeling, this is not about how I feel. <laughs> um, it's not about whether or not I feel like doing stuff. Um, this is very much about uh, uh, something bigger than that, you know? Um, and I'm always, always, always happy when I show up. Um, when I show up, it's always worth it every single time. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, back to um, the disease. So I get an understanding um, of this problem, um, of will, that, that willpower is not my problem. And what happened for me is that um, all the shame that I had ever uh, gathered around being a compulsive overeater was, was removed very quickly. Um, it happened in like three months' time between October, November, December, uh, listening to meetings uh, every morning, listening to recordings by Joe and Charlie, um, <clears throat> listening to some of, some of the Sunday special editions. Um, I was 
pretty biased um, when I first started listening. So I was like, I'm only going to listen to people from Colorado. <laughs> and I started, I started there because there were so many of them. I couldn't figure out another way to determine which ones um, I should listen to. So I started listening to all the ones from Colorado. Um, <clears throat> and in that three months time, uh, all that shame was, it was removed. It was gone. Um, I didn't feel it anymore. Um, <clears throat> it, 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 uh, it stopped blocking me. Um, and I could start, I could start hearing what it was that, uh, was being said about, um, about this disease and the true nature of my problem. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, I have some friends on this line that, uh, uh, go to face-to-face meetings like in Colorado we don't we're not just on a vision for you like we still go to face-to-face meetings and participate regularly in our Colorado Central Intergroup and um, you know like we are all about that in-person life (laughs) um, if you will and uh, and I was going to a Saturday morning meeting early on and um, there's a dear friend of mine that's on this line um, that she used to, she went to the same meeting and, um, and, uh, she'll tell you that I, I cried constantly. Like I, I literally went from being a person who probably hadn't cried in like three years to bawling my eyes out and I could not stop crying, um, while I was in meetings for those first three months. Like I, I was having like a, um, like a, an opening, if you will, um, and I and it, it, I was at the point where like I couldn't hold back anymore, um, and I just like let it all go, <laughs> completely and totally. Um, <clears throat> and and it you know like I experienced it in my body, um, and uh, uh, it, was a, it was a very real experience. Um, so. Uh, so I have the the first part is the understanding of this disease, and the second part is conceding to my innermost self. Um, and for me, what con- concession to my innermost self is about it's a it's actually about the greater aspect of this disease, um, the mental aspect of this disease. Because um, I had. Again, I had been listening to these people my, that had been telling me my whole life that um, uh, they had been giving me false information because they weren't experiencing the same reaction that I was experiencing. Um, so I was I had been taking direction from them, um, and I needed to start taking direction from other compulsive overeaters. Um, <clears throat> and what I heard was. Uh, what I heard and what I experienced, like this is out of my experience, um, that uh, my mental obsession is the greater aspect of my disease um, and that keeping on guard is not going to serve me here. Um, I am uh, um, vigilant, <laughs> if you will. Um, I know how to keep on guard. I am uh, I am someone who uh, can very quickly um, 
uh, scan what's going on around me and uh, get an understanding of the situation and start thinking that I know what people are thinking and how they're feeling and create like a whole entire scenario um, in my head. I have made a, um, I have made a uh, living. <laughs> I have lived my life keeping on guard. Um, it's a skill that I have acquired and very much um, uh, ran with. Um, and, and, and it served me well in a lot of aspects. It served me really well in my career and, um, and some other places for sure. Um, so that I, the idea that this is not about keeping on guard, that keeping on guard is not going to help me, um, <laughs> that I'm, I, like I'm powerless over, over food. Um, keeping on guard is, is uh, it may work 99 times out of 100, um, but I'm going to eat on that 100th time. Every single 100th time I'm going to eat. Um, and when that sank in, that was like, that was like, whoa, <laughs> um, there's absolutely, there's no guarantees here. Um, like this is a, this is like, I, I'm powerless. Um, and, and I, like, I still very much feel this way. Um, uh, the fact that I'm recovered today has absolutely nothing to do with keeping on guard. Um, I don't keep on guard, actually, at all, in any way, shape, or form, especially when it comes to food. Um, uh, <clears throat> so um, I started to understand, I started to understand this, that I, um, uh, I am uh, 99 times out of 100, I'm going to eat. Uh, or uh, 99 times out of 100, I, I may be able to keep on guard, but that 100th time I'm going to eat. So um, somehow, someday, um, I, I have this obsession that somehow, someday, I'll be able to control and enjoy my compulsive overeating. Um, and so I try all these different ways. And I really, like, I, the chapter more about alcoholism, I got into that so much. Um, I'm actually, uh, like, I had read the big book prior to um, Overeaters Anonymous, and um, I got to tell you, like coming in and studying that chapter um, with Joe and Charlie and and some of the other special editions of um, folks on this line that have long-term abstinence, um, like 10 and 15 and 20 and 30 years of abstinence, um, I. <laughs> I am um, Jim and his, his whiskey and his milk, you know. Um, I am Fred and his trip to Washington. Um, I, like, get that stuff at a very real, like, visceral level these days. Um, <clears throat> so uh, um, I get a, a, a clear understanding of the true nature of my problem, and I concede to my innermost self that... Um, Keeping on guard is not, it's not going to um, serve me here. It has served me well in other aspects of my life, but uh, this is not the place for it at all. Um, <clears throat> so uh, um, uh, I'm ready to, like, move forward with the steps, you know, um, once I've made that concession. 
And, uh, and then I, and this is for me, like all of this stuff came before step one. Um, uh, step one made sense to me because of my experience. Um, no one had to convince me of anything in step one. Um, it, it was, uh, I came, it, I accepted step one as a result of my own experience, you know? Um, and that's very much like today, that's very much how I sponsor as well. Um, I'm not trying, I'm not here to convince anyone of anything, <laughs> you know? Like if this stuff doesn't make sense to you um, because you haven't experienced it, then maybe you're not a, a compulsive overeater, you know? Maybe you're just a hard eater or a moderate eater, or whatever it is. Um, uh, the reason that this stuff is, uh, uh, the reason that I'm here is not because someone convinced me to be here. No one could have ever convinced me to be here. The reason that I'm here is because um, my experience gave me the conviction to be here. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I start getting into the steps. Um, uh, and this is, this is the, the second half of the problem, if you will, right, is step, is step one. Um, and once, once they actually wrote down the steps, there's two parts to step one. We have this powerlessness and this unmanageability. Um, and so the powerlessness is, um, is what it is that we've been talking about so, so far. Um, understanding the true nature of my problem, concession to my innermost self, uh, uh, the fact that keeping on guard is not going to serve me, that is my powerlessness. And there's nothing I can do about this. Like there is, this is not, there's, there's nothing to be done. Um, uh, step one was about surrender. Um, and the reason I was willing to surrender is because I, I, like I understood that I was powerless. You know, there's nothing, if you're powerless, there's nothing to do after that but surrender. <laughs> That's the only option. Um, it very much propels you into surrender um, because, like, that's it. I'm out of ideas, you know, um, and so, and I get abstinent. Um, and for me, that experience was just like um, it was like uh, I I like I I got abstinent, and I was like like that was it. I was there, man. Um, and it's probably because I had a, I had an experience similar to Bill's where I had gotten abstinent prior to this um, and it hadn't worked out. Like if you, if you read Bill's story closely, it was three times that he went to the hospital, right? And so that first time he, he got an understanding of the disease um, and then found out that self-knowledge is, is not the answer. It's, it's but a beginning. Um, I do need an understanding of my disease, but it doesn't necessarily serve me in the solution. Um, uh, like that is not my solution, that understanding in and of itself. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's actually understanding the problem. Um, uh, <clears throat> and then, um, and then, and he goes back out and he relapses and then he comes back to the hospital and the, his second trip at the hospital is like is where he gets that under that um, is where he has that step one experience of powerlessness. Um, and I I had the same one um, 
I couldn't tell you what day it was. Um, it was probably late September, you know, of 2017. Um, and it like, it was an experience of powerlessness. Like it was um, absolute breakdown. Um, I'm like sobbing on my bedroom floor, curled up in a ball. Um, Cause I, I got nothing left, you know, <laughs> like the tanks on empty. Um, and I, uh, I don't know. I guess like I I just leaned into that, you know? Like I completely and totally leaned into that. I wasn't going to um try to fix it or or stay away from um that sort of dark place. Um I just kind of like uh surrendered to it, you know? Um <clears throat> and I I don't know. I guess like that sounds really simple and easy, but if you've been in that in that that dark place and you've experienced it um then you know that while you're there it's not it's not that simple and easy <laughs> um it's actually really hard to give yourself over to that uh uh it almost feels like you know how um if i give myself over how am i ever going to get out of it you know um and so luckily we we have this fellowship uh and there's people that have been there before and they've taken the steps out of it, um, and they can show me the way. And that's like, that's it. That's how this works. Um, <clears throat> so, so I understand now that I have a, a two-fold illness. Um, I have this physical allergy or abnormal reaction that goes on in my body when I ingest those alcoholic foods. Um, and then I have this mind that even even if I stop ingesting those alcoholic foods and I and I um, stop this physiological reaction from happening, um, I got this mind that that uh, brings me back to the food over and over and over again, like always in the most like crazy bizarre ways, right? Like through uh, like the second time that I got abstinent. I am I am entirely abstinent, 100%, completely and totally free of my alcoholic foods, and my brain tells me that um, uh, whole grain pancakes are okay because they're whole grain and they're not like white flour <laughs> pancakes, right? Um, or that um gluten-free pasta is okay because it's gluten-free you know like just all kinds of craziness um and that's kind of like that is that's what i um understand is like the whiskey and the milk today you know is is that it's going to be different this time around um this like sugar-free whatever this gluten-free whatever um that that's going to be different than the original version that's somehow going to um to be okay and i'll be able to handle it on a quote-unquote full stomach right <laughs> um and i do like i have um i have the i vaguely sense that i'm not being too smart you know just like jim um but i feel reassured as as I'm taking this on a on a full stomach, like I I'm uh, this is going to be okay, you know. Um, that's how this this mental twist or blank spot works for me. Um, the blank spot being what Fred experienced, you know. He takes this trip to Washington. It's the end of a wonderful day. He's feeling great, 
absolutely like on fire, right? Um, I can relate to Fred too because I, I totally, um, I'm in sales and I get that like high off of, off of making a sale, you know? It's like, this is awesome. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and what do I want to do to celebrate? I want to celebrate with food, you know? Um, it makes the the hard times it 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 makes the hard times better and it makes the good times better, you know. Um, and it 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 serves me. Um, uh, and that that mental twist or that mental blank spot it it brings me back to the food over and over and over again. Um, uh, uh, Early on in abstinence, I I like to like look up words and find out what they mean and all that good stuff, right? And um, and uh, I looked up the word compulsive because I realized like I didn't actually know I I didn't know what it meant, right? Um, and one of the definitions of compulsive is like something we do for excitement, something we do to produce excitement in our lives. Um, and I, I relate to that. That is exactly the effect that I seek from food. Um, I seek to, to uh, make anything and everything more exciting. If I'm bored, then I, I want to use it for excitement. If I'm in the midst of excitement, um, then I want to use it to uh, make it even more exciting. Or, <laughs> or even... Um, Use it to numb out too. Like it, it works both ways, you know. Um, but I'm seeking an effect. I'm using food um, in the same way that a drug addict uses um, cocaine or heroin or whatever it is. Um, I, I use that. Um, <clears throat> uh, so this stuff is really starting to make sense for me. Um, uh, and and I speak in the present tense as if I am in October, November, and December of 2017. Um, this stuff is like it's really starting to sink in, and I'm really starting to to get what it is that they're talking about um, on this phone meeting, a vision for you. And I got to tell you, at the time, I was like, I was so skeptical. I was like, dude, all these people could be like at home on their couches and they all weigh 500 pounds and we would never know <laughs> um, because it's over the phone, you know? Um, and I, <laughs> I, used to, um, uh, I used to think all this stuff, right? Um, <clears throat> so, uh, but this stuff is it's really starting to make sense. It's starting to sink in. Um, so if I can't stop eating certain foods once I start and I can't keep from going back to those foods and back to compulsive overeating once I have, like, been halted, because um, that's what happens is I go back, right? Um, then I, like, I, I'm powerless over food. And I know what that experience is to be powerless. Um, and as Fred says, it, it was a crushing blow. <laughs> Um, and then the other, the other part of this, um, of step one is that unmanageability. Um, and for me, unmanageability, um, really comes from this place of isolation because I have definitely had the experience of my life being unmanageable, even in abstinence, 
Um, uh, unmanageability comes from a place where I isolate and I cut myself off from the world. Um, and I try to go at this alone, you know. Um, that is where unmanageability comes in for me and the understanding that I have of it today. Um, I, I, I knew early on in abstinence and this um, experience, the unfolding of this experience, I did know that um, isolation and compulsive overeating went hand in hand. Um, they were like salt and pepper. <laughs> um, I couldn't have one without the other, and each one led to the other, and each one um, fed to the other, and they were like a cycle. The more isolated I got, the more um, I ate, and the more um, I wanted to isolate, you know? And it was very much, um, I couldn't, I, I still can't tell you, like, which one's the chicken or the egg. Um, I haven't gotten so far as to fill that one out or figure that one out. Um, <laughs> and who knows, maybe I never will. Um, but I have a really clear understanding today that um, uh, unmanageability is a result of isolation. Um, <clears throat> And that I can't do this alone. Um, I tried really, really hard. <laughs> and if I could have done this alone, I probably would have done this alone. Because like I said, I did not want to be here and I did not want to be a compulsive overeater. Um, <clears throat> so I was, uh, I, I understood pretty quickly um, that I was going to have to um, outreach with you guys. <laughs> um, and I was going to have to, like, really participate in this, you know. Um, and so I got real uncomfortable, and I started making a lot of phone calls um, to people I didn't know and, and um, people I had heard on the line and the newcomers that were introduced at the end. I was, like, 60 days into this, right, and I'm making calls to newcomers, and I'm like, yeah, like, this is what's going on with me. Are you experiencing this? And, like, uh, you know, how are you doing? What are you doing about it? And like, I think this is what the big book is talking about, but I'm not totally sure. <laughs> um, and just, it, and just like getting in there, you know, and like getting my hands dirty. And, um, and it, it, it wasn't, like I said, it was not a comfortable thing. Um, I got a phone call the other day from someone who's new and <laughs> he's like, he's like, my sponsor made me do this. And I'm like, yeah, welcome. <laughs> welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, you know, um, like that's what we do here. Um, that is what we do here. We do this together. Um, <clears throat> and uh and uh, I just jumped in. Like, it didn't matter if I felt um, comfortable or not. Like, I, I just jumped in. I knew I knew I was in the right place, you know. Um, and, uh, and I jumped in and, and I, started, uh, I started doing it. Um, and so at the very least of all of this, um, I can't do this alone. I, I need a witness of some sort. Like I need someone to bear witness to this and to see, um, to see me as I go through this process, to really see me. Um, I, I found another compulsive overeater. I found a sponsor. Um, I found someone in, in whom the problem had been solved. Um, <clears throat> and that was, uh, I just needed them to see it, you know. 
like I, I didn't, um, she's not someone who gave a whole lot of advice. Um, we just read the big book together and, uh, and she witnessed my, um, my spiritual experience, you know, um, I needed, I needed someone to witness it so that like, I, I, I knew it was real, you know, and what, what was happening to me was like a real thing. Um, and, uh, and that was it. It was as simple as that. Like I didn't need some guru, um, uh, or anyone famous or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I, I just needed someone to witness, um, bear witness to my experience. So, um, and, uh, and as far as unmanageability goes and isolation, um, I want to point out the bedevilments on page 52 of the big book. Those are the results of my isolation. Um, the bedevilments, for me, my experience with the bedevilments is that I can experience them even in abstinence. And that's because there were a result of the isolation that goes hand in hand with compulsive overeating. Um, so it's like, it's, this is the real deal. It's not, abstinence is like, it's but a beginning. Um, it's just the starting place, the, the launching point, if you will. Um, uh, I have, uh, uh, a lot more, um, I need the program after that, you know, like I need an actual solution. Um, so that's where we get into the solution. Um, and that's a long description for the problem. Um, but it's because like, that's the, that's the foundation of all of this. You know, it's like, it's why I'm here. It's why I continue to do this. It is like, like I, all of, I know all of this stuff and it's not, it's not just at an intellectual level. Like it is in the deepest place of my gut. Like that, that feeling that we have, right, for other human beings that we call love, right? That is, that's the, the knowledge that I have of love. It doesn't exist in my head. Like it is in the very deepest part of me. It's in my, my tissue and my muscles and, um, and uh, all that other stuff. And like that is, uh, that's the, the same knowledge, the same type of knowledge that I'm talking about as far as um, my knowledge of the problem, you know? <clears throat> there's like, there's no shaking it these days, you know? Um, it is like, it is as real to me and as known to me as um, the experience that I have as a human being of this thing we call loving, um, loving, you know? Um, <clears throat> so I get to the solution, um, or step two, um, and it was explained to me in step two that it's not just, um, you know, we, we come to believe in a power greater than ourselves. I actually have come to believe in two powers greater than myself. Um, and I have come to the understanding that I actually need two powers. I need both of these powers, um, in order to operate here, you know, like if, if one of these powers falls to the wayside at any point in time, 
um, I start falling to the wayside as well. Um, so the first power is the God of my understanding. Um, <clears throat> and I actually, I had a God of, un, of, um, of my understanding when I got here, um, and I actually needed a new understanding of that God um, when I got here. Um, I had a, a God that was kind of out to get me, a get you God, um, that was looking to punish me for whenever I screwed up. Um, <clears throat> and that's not to say, like, this is, again, this is not about the God per se. This is about my understanding. This was the understanding that I had, um, and I needed a new understanding. Um, but, uh, um, this higher power is not out to get me. It's not looking to punish me. Um, and that I'm going to screw up a lot. So I better find a nicer God who's not going to, um, who's not, who's not going to, um, not looking to punish me every time I screw up, you know? <clears throat> and um, so God and I got real comfortable pretty early on um, with this new understanding, you know? Um, cause that's what was blocking me was the understanding. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I threw away some of my old ideas to make room for new ideas. Um, and it is my, like that continues to happen. I can't, there's no room for new ideas unless I'm willing to let go of the old ones. Um, and most of the time, like I have to really do the work around which ideas it is that I need to let go of, um. <clears throat> and then the second power is this fellowship um, of Overeaters Anonymous. <laughs> um, and if you're looking at me right now, you would see a gigantic smile on my face because I so did not want to be here. Um, and that, like, that, com that took a complete 180 for me after I attended um, the OA birthday party for the first time in 2018. Um, I met some people that I had only heard prior to that. Um, <clears throat> I hung out with my Colorado peeps on the beach in Los Angeles listening to the morning meeting. Um, and I, I like, I really accepted this fellowship into my heart. Um, and it's such a weird thing. I'm not, you know, I am not a touchy-feely person. Um, I am not, uh, I was not emotional prior to getting abstinent. Like, I was someone that was all about the business, you know, and that is all that I'm interested in is facts and figures and the business of all of this. Um, <clears throat> so that, it, it, it's like a big deal for me to um, experience like this unconditional love for the Fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. And it's not based on any one person, including my sponsor. Um, it is um, truly for, like, the fellowship, the power. Um, if you have ever gone to, if you ever go to OA birthday party, like, it's 800 compulsive overeaters in a room together staying abstinent. Um, I get goosebumps talking about it. It's a powerful thing. Like, there is, there is some real power in there. Um, <clears throat> and uh and um and I experience it, you know, um, and that is uh that's what um 
brings me to the solution. And like I said, I need both of these powers. Um, I can't drift away from either one of these without um, getting into, uh, without starting to think that like self-reliance is my answer or um, willpower is my answer or um, I need to make this happen in order to be happy, you know? I need to make this happen in order to rest um, satisfaction and happiness out of this life. Um, <clears throat> so um, I, I got this solution, you know, um, and it's very much based around, um, it's very much experiential, you know. Um, and then I start getting into the program um, and I approach this third step. Um, I, I have gotten to a point now where I understand that um, uh, there's nothing I'm going to be able to do about this. Like, I'm, I'm beyond human aid. I'm in a place where um, any one single human being is, is, um, is not going to uh, solve this for me. And, uh, and the, the things of this world... Um, of the things of like um, society, human society that we have made up to solve our problems, right? Um, institutions and tools and um, uh, other programs, you know, other weight loss programs and and um, all these all these human solutions. Uh, I'm beyond all of them, you know. Um, so again, I'm like no one's convincing me of this. I am I'm propelled into step three. Um, it's it's it. This is all I got. It's like the last house on the block, you know. Um, <laughs> I am going to um, I'm going to give this program a shot and see how it goes. And that was completely and totally how I approached this with complete and total skepticism. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I was really glad that it worked for you, um, but I'm the kind of compulsive overeater that, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to stay abstinent. Um, there's no way. I've tried, um, and I can't do it, you know? And there's a lot of things that I can do, and this isn't, this isn't one of them, um, and, uh, and I actually, so I had this experience at OA birthday party um, where I was, we were out on the beach and I was like hanging out by myself. Um, we had actually, we actually, we went down to the beach as a group um, and we sat in meditation for a little while and um, we did the third step prayer together as a group. Um, there was somewhere, someone else in the group who was taking their third step who um, is actually not with us today. Like, she's not abstinent and she's not in LA anymore. Um, and it, so it wasn't my third step that we were there for necessarily. Um, but, you know, like, I took the third step that day on the beach with, um, with these other folks. Um, and I remember sitting there looking out over the ocean and I remember thinking, like, God, it goes on forever. You know, there's so much of it that I can't see and I don't understand, um, yet it's there, you know, um, and I, and it's just like me, it's, um, my understanding that lacks, you know, um, 
because that was my that was my thing is like I don't I don't understand how it is that I could possibly stay abstinent for any significant amount of time. Um, I tried, you know, um, and so I like I got it. I'm sitting there on the beach looking out at the water, and I'm like, there's this huge ocean that I can't see the end of, you know. So just that, just the fact that this exists right here in front of me now means that um, uh, there's other possibilities that I can't see and don't understand. And just maybe one of those possibilities is that I can stay abstinent. <laughs> um, and, and so, like, that was it, you know? Um, that was um, uh, the attitude change. Um, and so I asked the God of my understanding for enough care and protection um, to, like, be here and to do this work and to really open myself up and be real. Um, um, and, uh, you know, what is it? It's August 15th. It's almost four years later. Um <laughs> And I'm here, and I'm abstinent, and um, that's not even the best part, <laughs> you know. Um, ah, it's not even close to the best part, but um, I am actually out of time, so I'm going to end with that. Oh, Jordan, thank you so much uh, for sharing uh, your journey. Um, you know, this morning it was it was really inspirational. Thanks for showing the the courage and the authenticity and the vulnerability. You uh, you remind us of the highest rank achieved in OA, Jordan, servant. <laughs> so thanks again. So now we're going to transition over to a Q&A, questions and answer period. And so what I would ask you to do, if you have a question, uh, we're going to stick with questions only for Jordan. Um, please uh, unmute by pressing uh, uh, pound one and then give us your first name and last initial. Who, would, who has a question for Jordan this morning? Danielle J. Danielle. Anna S. Anna. Reggie O. Uh, I missed the two. They were coming at the same time. Reggie O. Oh, hi, Reggie. And who was the gentleman? Pedro B. Pedro. Okay, Pedro. Anybody else for this first round? What was, I'm sorry. Uh, sir. Hey, Surrey. Good morning. And who else? Okay, we can catch you around the bend here. Um, Joanne L. Mary Lee R. from Oregon. Joanne. And who was from Oregon? Mary Lee R. Mary Lee. Okay, let's... Let's hold it right there for the first go around here. Jordan said she'd give us about six hours of her time this morning. <laughs> Not really. Okay, so we have Danielle J, followed by Anna S and Reggie O, Pedro, Suri, Joanne, and Mary Lee. Danielle, you're up. Good morning. Hi, thank you so much, Danielle, Washington State, uh, Danielle J. Um, thank you so much, Jordan, um, for to uh, also thank you to Larry, to Hoodie, to everyone doing service. So I love the Get You God. Um, 
was there one moment when you found that higher power spirit God that um, was benevolent to you um, or was it over time? Uh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you for the question. That's a really awesome question. Um, there was, um, it definitely continues to evolve for sure, but there was a moment Um And I think that that moment happened because I was willing to get vulnerable enough to, like, ask people about um, their understanding of their higher power. And, again, I'm not – I was asking people about their understanding, um, not about, like, the God itself, the kind kind of God, right? Um, And I had a conversation with someone, and they told me about their understanding of this loving God. Um, that even if they screw up, and I knew I knew this person intimately, and I knew that they screwed up a lot, <laughs> um, they told me that they had the kind the um, the understanding that their higher power is um, is going to love them anyway, and that they're going to wake up another day and um, and get to start over, you know, <clears throat> and uh, um, and get to right the wrongs for sure, um, but not not continue to um, live with the shame and guilt and punishment. You know, like um, that that shame is like it's like continued self punishment. Um, and uh, and so I don't know. I was like, damn, dude, that's the kind of God I want. You know, um, that's it. <laughs> That's what I want. So, like, that's, you know, that's, that's, I know now what it is that I want. Um, and it, um, but it was definitely, it, it takes a lot of vulnerability to, to have those conversations, you know. Um, so you got to open yourself up. Thanks for the question, uh, Danielle. Okay, next up we have Anna S. followed by Reggie O. Anna, good morning. Hi, Jordan. Uh, thank you so much for your qualification. The in Early in, in your talk, you mentioned um, when you got abstinent the first couple of times that it was, I think you said, imposed on you. And please correct my wording. And But the, the next time when you, when you experienced entire abstinence that it was different, can you explain the difference between the first two times and the third time, please? Thank you. Yeah, totally. Um, and I did. Yeah, it was imposed upon me. Um, I felt like um, abstinence was like a punishment for being a compulsive overeater. <laughs> um, and um, and the reason I felt like that is because I it, like I thought it was a moral issue. You know, I thought that I didn't have enough like like morale to you know like pick myself up by my bootstraps and um, get and stay abstinent, you know? And that's not that's not what we're talking about here um, at all. Um, so I think what's, what was different about my understanding this time around is that um, uh, abstinence wasn't a food plan. It was like a means, you know? Um, it was a means to open me up enough um, to start working the steps and, and some kind of like 
meaningful way and, and have a spiritual experience, you know? Because if I'm still eating my alcoholic foods, like, I'm still seeking that effect. I'm still looking to numb out or I'm still looking to um, add some excitement to the day, you know? Um, I'm, I'm still looking to food for that stuff. Um, and, uh, so I gotta, I gotta put the food down so that that is, it doesn't keep me from having this spiritual experience, you know, like the spiritual experience actually comes, it comes naturally. It came very naturally for me after I put down, um, all of my alcoholic foods and started following a food plan. Um, and, uh. Um, and it did. It felt like uh, food plans had always been um, given to me by a sponsor. And so this time around, um, my sponsor was like, look, I'm a compulsive overeater. I can't even decide what's good for me to eat, let alone what tell you what's good for you to eat, you know. Um, you need to go to a nutritionist and you need to find out what your nutritional needs are because that's what food's going to be from here on out. Um, nutritional value um, it is going to satisfy nutritional needs, and that's the only effect that we will be seeking from it. <laughs> um, and so I, I, uh, I like I owned that. You know, I really felt like I had ownership over that, um, and it it was mine. And so like it wasn't hard. Um, <clears throat> I didn't. There was nothing to rebel against or resist. Um, and I think that that is, uh, I don't know, I guess what made the difference for me. Thanks for the question, Anna. Okay, we have Reggie O followed by Pedro B. Hi, Reggie, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thanks so much for your service this morning. This is Reggie O, gratefully recovered today in um, Texas. And Jordan, um, what an amazing, amazing share. I. You know, and I think the thing that was so amazing, I, I, I basically had an experience while you were sharing, and it was because of the nature of your sharing. It was just so true and real and honest, and um, it, it was information, but it was more the experience of that being in your life. Um, so I loved the part about isolation, uh, uh, tagging that with uh, this uh, inability to stay abstinent, that's uh, something I have to work with. You know, but one question I wanted to ask um, is, in terms of abstinence, you, you spoke a lot about um, uh, food, you know, the food that we eat. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And there's another part of that that can be a trigger, which is compulsive eating behaviors. And, uh, and um, I, I just wonder if you would share your experience and understanding of that. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd love to. I actually, uh, I was just talking with the sponsee about this last night. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> um, uh, my experience, my experience was that um, uh, my my obsession for alcoholic foods um, was removed prior to my obsession um, for the behavioral aspect of this disease. Um, so just to like give you an idea of what I'm talking about, alcoholics come in and they um, stop drinking 
alcohol and they don't have issues drinking other things after that or maybe you know maybe they do maybe they have issues drinking coffee or or diet soda or whatever it is right um maybe they belong here who knows but um most alcoholics don't feel a need to like drink other things to try to seek the same effect that they got from alcohol um whereas my experience as a compulsive overeater was that um there is a behavioral aspect and I come in and I get abstinent from my alcoholic foods and I do, I, I try to like eat, I try to find a way to eat other things um, uh, uh, alcoholically, you know? Um, and it, it has nothing to do with the food substance itself. Like it's not the phenomenon of craving that I experience with my alcoholic foods. Um, it is, it's, it's it is like it is what the spiritual aspect it is or not the spiritual aspect it's what the spirituality of um the steps solves within me you know it's like i am for whatever reason i'm a compulsive overeater and i'm absolutely terrified of that feeling of emptiness and i just want like to to feel full you know to feel it up with fullness um, and it was, it was definitely um, attempting to um, try to feel, fill that fullness, you know, with food. Um, and so, like, I, like, I really, I really had to lean into fellowship and, and, and filling, filling that emptiness inside um, with something else, you know, like, with, uh, with a different, something different this time you know, and whether that's the God of your understanding, your fellowship, or, um, you know, like there's some other self-care routines that I have these days now. Um, I don't feel empty anymore, you know. I'm not, like, I'm not trying to fill up. (laughs) Um, I I got, like, this beautiful full life. Um, But early on in abstinence, I kind of, like, I had to learn to sit with that emptiness, you know, Um, and, and, just like be with it and not try to fill it um, so that it, it's um, I by not trying to fill it with something else more quickly it eventually filled up with the God of my understanding you know um, <clears throat> so it's like there's some patience involved I think All right. hey Reggie thanks for the question and Jordan for the answer Okay, Pedro, followed by Surrey, your turns to formulate a question. Hey, Pedro, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Can you, make, can you hear me? Yeah, you're coming through great. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Jordan, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us. Uh, what a beautiful, beautiful, effective share for me, anyways. I really would love to uh, call you and talk to you afterwards when, when you have time. But... Um, uh, I am a chronic relapser, I, uh, and and you gave me the hope that maybe I can stay afternoon uh, today. Uh, I'm working on on step three, and uh, what I'd like to hear from you. My question is, what does it mean to you to turn your life and your will over to God, this power greater than yourself? Uh, what does that mean?
what what's um, your experience what's your experience with step three um my experience with step three i uh like i said i i kind of had uh um this experience on the beach um with other compulsive overeaters like um uh, a sponsor pointed out early on in the program that like um the opposite of alone um or isolating and eating is um being uh is like praying or being in prayer with other people and i was like whoa <laughs> so every single time i'm praying with other people it's like another moment that i'm not completely overeating alone <laughs> um and uh <clears throat> and uh so that like taking that third step with someone else um and someone who you know who you're going to work the steps with the rest of the steps with um it's like a like a commitment um to yourself, um, your higher power, and this witness um, that you are going to follow through and 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 work the rest of the steps in the program, you know, with uh, some honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, you know, like those those are essentials um, that I keep coming back to, and I keep coming back, and I keep coming back, and they bring me back over and over again, you know the essentials um, <clears throat> are uh, still very much essential, <laughs> even um, even after a little bit of time, you know? Um, so thank you for the question. Yeah, th thanks, Pedro. Okay, we have Suri followed by Joanne. Hi, Suri, good morning. Um, yeah, hi, so uh, thank you so much for your share. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, sales. You said that you're in marketing and there's a lot of highs and lows. Um, so how did you, had, what was your experience of becoming abstinent um, and how did it, affect, did it have an effect on your, like, you know, work performance and sales um, and, and your relationship with, with how you were, um, with your income? and how you were, you know, producing income. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's an awesome question. Um, so uh, when I got abstinent, I was actually um, working. I had a job when I got abstinent. Um, and uh, I actually remember, <laughs> um, I think that that's the bedevilment that got to me the most. Um, like I sat down and I read the bedevilments um, with the gal that was sponsoring me at the time. She read them to me. Um, and like, and we got to that point <clears throat> where it says, um, uh, we were prey to misery and depression and uh, we couldn't make a living. Um, and I was like, well, wait a second. I have a job. I'm making a living, right? Um, and it, it wasn't so much about having a job and making a living. She's like, you know, like, are you, are you satisfied? Are you, like, um, making a fulfilling living, you know? <clears throat> um, and I sat there and I thought about it for a while because I definitely, like, I am um, I'm someone who cares a lot about my career and, uh, and I'm always, like, looking for the next promotion and the next this and the next that and... Um, and like pushing, pushing, pushing forward, you know? 
Um, and I looked at it and I was like, I, <laughs> at the time, like I was not, I was not doing well at work at all. Um, I was barely getting by. Um, and who knows, like I, I work, I, uh, live in the mountains and it's, it's hard to find qualified people in the mountains sometimes. So, um, like I wonder sometimes if I had been working in the city, um, if I would have been fired because there's a lot more qualified people and they could have found someone else to do the job, you know, and who knows, maybe I wouldn't have had that living, you know. Um, <clears throat> but it really, it really struck me um, that although I had a job and it was paying the bills, um, I wasn't, um, I wasn't making like a, a fulfilling living at all. Um, <clears throat> I was barely getting by. Uh, and I, I like an abstinent, I, when I, when I first got abstinent, it was like, it was the only thing that I was worried about. I was just zeroed in on that. I was at the point where like, I didn't care if my boyfriend left me. I didn't care if, um, if, if I lost my job, I didn't care about any of that stuff anymore. All I cared about was staying abstinent and participating in this program. Um, it became like number one priority. Um, and all that mattered, and um, and I like I because of that, like what happened is that problem kind of like solved itself over the next year and a half, you know. Um, and by the end of that, uh, I had like this glowing letter of recommendation from that boss. And again, like it has nothing to do with me, okay, like. Me, left to my own devices, the only thing I'm worried about at work is how I look, how I appear. Um, and that's all I think about is, like, like at work, the only value that you have is, is the value that you present to my appearance, i.e., are you making me look good, you know? Um, <clears throat> and uh, working the steps... Um, and being at that same job for the next year and a half um, and and adopting God into my life, um, making making a higher power like um, my employer, <laughs> you know, like God became my employer <laughs> um, and still very much is today. Um, that's what changed that. That's what like shifted all of that, you know, um, and and yeah, so it was actually, it was a really cool experience early on um, in abstinence. It really showed me the, the power uh, in these rooms because I was really clear on the fact that that, that power wasn't mine. Um, it, was, it was the steps and the fellowship and, um, and a higher power, uh, the God of my understanding, you know. So thank you for the question. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. Okay, next up is Joanne, followed by Mary Lee. Good morning, Joanne. Joanne, you'll have to unmute. It's a star one, rather. I think I said pound one. Star one. So sorry, I uh, <laughs> didn't know how to unmute. Um, my, my question is, um, I either misunderstood the point being made or I misheard what was said, but um, 
you said something about being on guard with the food doesn't work, that 99 out of 100 times it might work, but that 1% you're going to eat again. Um, I'm not sure what you meant by that, why me, uh, being on guard doesn't work, and what is the alternative to that that does work? Um, the alternative is steps 2 through 12. <laughs> um, you heard me correctly. That's exactly what I said. Um, <clears throat> uh, keeping on guard is um, is is self-will, you know, that's me, that's me trying to solve my problem with self-will, um, and it's, it's hard to get beyond that point, um, because when you, when keeping on guard doesn't work, um, for those of us that are compulsively self-reliant, um, there's nothing else after that, like, after that is completely and totally unknown, <laughs> um, and I, I don't know what's, I, I don't know, like, it is um, unknown to me, right? Um, so it's, it's hard, it's very difficult to move beyond the point of keeping on guard. Um, but that's exactly what, uh, that's exactly what the chapter more about alcoholism is talking about. That keeping on guard is, it, it, it only works for so long. Um, I found myself uh, having crossed the line that keeping on guard um, was, uh, was a, a, it's a human, uh, it's a human aid, you know? And I found myself beyond that, um, that that wasn't going to work for me. Um, I... I, in that experience where I had gotten entirely abstinent in 2014, um, that's, that was how I did that, was by keeping on guard. And I stayed abstinent for nine months by keeping on guard. Um, and it, 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 it does not work um, for a compulsive overeater like me for the long term. Um, I, I, have to, uh, I have to move beyond that into this unknown place um and uh and work through steps two through twelve and find out what's beyond that, you know, like I didn't know what was um left other than that, so um <clears throat> that is the rest of the steps so thanks for the for the question, Joanne, okay, Mary Lee, it's your turn. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for not singing. <laughs> I don't mean that. I don't mean that. <laughs> um, oh, I'm, I had so many questions, and most of them have been answered. So can you tell, share your, your daily um, routine? Like, do you have something that you do in the morning, something you do at night, um, or do you do it all day long? Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I, um, uh, when I get up in the morning, I, I do steps, um, one, two, and three, like, right off the bat. Um, I'm, like, I'm still a compulsive overeater. I'm still very much powerless over food. Um, and my life is still really unmanageable if I'm isolating in any way. 
you know, physically, emotionally, whatever that looks like. Um, so I like kind of, you know, review that, if you will, <laughs> every morning um, and uh, and say my third step prayer um, and say my seventh step prayer and um, and I start like getting into the solution, getting into um, getting into God and getting into the fellowship and getting into hope um, and getting into inspiration, you know. Um, I would say that my default is self-pity. Um, like, I, I wake up in self-pity every morning, so I really have to, like, um, start getting into something else right away um, and, uh, and, and doing my thing there, you know? Um, and I don't have... I don't, I don't really have anything that I read in the morning, um, but um, I have some other stuff that I do throughout the day, um, including going outside. Like, I get outside every single day um, in some way, shape, or form. I very much experience a higher power out in nature. Um, so I get out, um, I walk, or I run, or uh, I paddleboard, or I hike, or whatever is availed to me. Um, <clears throat> and I, I like to listen to books on tape. Um, so that's another sort of like um, spiritual practice that I have that um, inspires me. Um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, and then um, as far as like a more formal practice of 10, 11, and 12, um, I actually have a meeting that I go to on a weekly basis where we're able to read inventory out loud to the group. Um, and uh, and then we meditate together uh, for 10 minutes, and then um, we share on step 12 and practicing principles in all of our affairs, you know, and, and what that looks like today. And, um, and, I, and I sponsor a lot, and I like to take a lot of phone calls. I like, like, I, I, I think some of, sometimes I come across as um, uh, not very humble or like a know-it-all. Um, <laughs> And I, I, that very much comes from a place of like, um, I found the solution to a problem that I didn't know there was a solution for. And I thought I, you couldn't recover from. And I, like, I had no idea um, that, uh, that this existed, the solution, you know? So when I found this solution, I got really excited about it, and I wanted to share it with everybody. And so, like, that's very much that. In, that's very much where that enthusiasm comes from. You know, like it really comes from this place of like, I got it here. I looked for so long, and I, um, uh, you know, struggled for so long, and it's it's the it's right here. You know. So I get very excited about sharing it with others, for sure. Um, whether it's like just a phone call or um, working with someone and, and going through the steps with them, uh, whatever it is. So but that's kind of like the daily, weekly routine. Um, and, and, uh, and I get on uh, the 8 a.m. Eastern time meeting every, pretty much every morning. Um, <clears throat> And um, I also have a local OA meeting 
that I'm a part of and I go to on Thursday evenings in Grand Junction. Um, it's It's been on Zoom during the pandemic, so I don't have to drive all the way to Grand Junction. So that's a five-hour round trip. Um, but they've been having in-person meetings once a month that I've been going to as well. Because um, it's really important. I like I, I got abstinent over the phone, and I can definitely work a program over the phone. Um, but our 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 bodies are a big part of this, um, and it's really important for me to go and be seen in person by other compulsive overeaters to be like um, to be seen. You know, um, it's just a it's a very important part of of um, this fellowship. So I make that trip for that reason. Thanks, Mary Lee, for the question. And Jordan, um, we're at the top, just past the top of the hour, and I want to be respectful of your time. You did a beautiful job. Um, let me give you the share ID for today's presentation. Uh, that number uh, is 17,562. That's 17562. And we're going to close now from uh, page 164 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and then Jordan would be kind enough to leave her, her contact information after that. So our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.